0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Health Matters with Laura Kopeck. I'm your host, Laura Kopeck, and I am so excited for today's episode. I have the privilege of interviewing and going into a conversation with Pam Hoffman. Pam Hoffman graduated from West Texas A&M in speech, education, and theater. She has a Master of Fine Arts from Trinity University and acted with Dallas Theater Company for years. Pam's master's thesis on the neurotic distortion of the creative process led her to be one of the first teachers to teach the integration of abilities course by Dr. Baker at Booker T Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. Today, Pam has a long-standing business in nutritional supplements and green homes, but today we are going to dive into the simpatico experiences her and I have as fellow thespians and educators, and explore our beliefs around acting, role playing, and its impact, both pros and cons, on the health and wellness of an individual. When Pam and I briefly chatted about doing these episodes, it was weirdly apparent that we had almost too much in common. For those of you who don't know, my first career was in theater and I shifted to education. And my first master's explored the educational psychology and social learning theory around acting and role playing. I've spent many hours researching the impact of role-playing both the good and the bad, and I cannot be more excited to get into this with Pam. So I hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: Welcome, Pam. Oh, thank you.
0: So, oh, good so good to be here. <laughs> excited.
1: Yeah, me too. It's in
0: the candy store. So, well, cool. I want to just start with what led you to picking that as your thesis topic?
1: Well, you know, I was in theater and I came to the Dallas Theater Center. Um just very new and naive with a lot of acting in my background because in college I had done I was the one that did all the leads and performed and all of that. But the the Paul Baker's theory was that everyone is creative. And so we were thrown into not just being on stage, but also being in the light booth, the costume shop, um, you know, working with our hands and his whole philosophy of integration abilities, which is um all the line shape, color, sound, texture, sound, you know, all of that happened not with just the actor. So I was coming into it with that. A a different perspective and got opened up to just the whole realm of creativity in general. Mm. Learn that we're all creative. But at the same time, I was struggling as an actress because it sometimes I would be very open and connected, and other times I would be completely shut down. And what the great thing about this master's program was you were allowed to do anything. Now, a lot of people were doing plays, writing plays or, you know, studying Brecht or, you know, but I wanted to know what, what, what the psychological reason was for anybody in creativity when they were open to their creative process and when they were shut down to their creative process. And that led me. Just through this whole journey of understanding that it had to do with childhood trauma,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know that you're um, going along, and all of a sudden you're triggered, and and at the same time, it, you know the trigger might shut you down, and mm-hmm. because it's something about your past. But at the same time, as you remember being an actress, you're always learning to draw on your emotional base right. and that emotional base unknown to me had some trauma elements to it. So right. I would have these open, for example, I was playing Roxanne and Cyrano de Bergerac and there was this a very famous British director and Roxanne, you know, at the end, of the dying scene, Cyrano has the big scene and we were in rehearsal and I just got so emotionally connected to him dying. And I had all this emotion. Well, he's a very British actress and actor, and he's a right. British director. And he said, No, you cannot express that emotion here at this point in time. So there's all of this confusion sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. By and large, I was using acting. And I think this is where it has the very health uh, basis. A lot of people get into it because they're able to process emotions deep uh emotions that they can't in real life and so it becomes a very healing path so all of that was what made me go into that as a subject which everyone kind of looked askance and rolled their eyes but they were very allowing it's like you do whatever you want and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i got it done
0: it's (laughs) so fascinating it's just so fascinating When I was uh, my first degree, I got my BFA, I was at the University of Arizona and their approach in the BFA program was similarly, it was all about um, working as an ensemble and they didn't wanna cultivate prima donnas. So whatever your emphasis was when you came in, whether you were uh, emphasizing in acting or lighting, you did everything. And I mean, in to some regard, they had free labor to, Put on a show, right? To build the show, the costumes, the set, and all of that. I understand that, but it also grew an appreciation, and in doing so, I think people, you know, changed their majors in that. But it was doing Caligula, um, and I was at that particular time in the in the stage management side of that show. Uh-huh. Uh My roommate was in the cast, and it was, you know, a very uh, dysfunctional. The story is about a very brutal, abusive emperor. And a graduate student who was married to one of the actors in the show was doing a very similar thesis. And she wanted to come in and interview the actor's process and how it was affecting them. Because what her husband was reporting to her is that a lot of the actors were not sleeping right, their grades were suffering, they were going through this intense process. And you know from some of the ways that actors are trained, to be truthful is to tap into your own, Mm -hmm. right? And you and I have talked that we both believe that actors are drawn to the creative process because it's a safe way, right? If I am this character, if I am Juliet, I am Romeo, I don't have to be me, but I get to tap into some of those personal traumas that allow me the resources of that emotional well to draw from, but I think we don't often understand the other side to that, right? Right, and there were
1: some uh, outside of the theater center acting classes that I took that were very much about, like, let's get into this emotion, and I think in some cases it was not safe,
0: you no, know. It's not. It's not, the- it really isn't
1: so it's just there's a fine line and I think most educators out there are trying to create safe places but it's just yeah yeah uh, I think terrible. definitely
0: in the classroom uh, a teacher is more cognizant of that safe space but um, I think when the goal is the finished product sometimes actors get sacrificed along the way right um, to they get exploited for the chemistry that a director and producer want to see on screen right there's just a lot of things how do we get that truth um you know even recently uh i have such respect for baz lerman he is you know i think an incredible director and the way he blends different uh creativity to create this masterpiece and he is the director of Elvis, and that that's a recent film, which is why I'm bringing him up. But you know, he even, uh, the main actor, I can't remember his name, who played Elvis, talked about the scenarios that Lerman had to put him in because he's young and inexperienced and didn't have the depth of trauma that Elvis was going through. And so constructing this environment where, you know, the actor, because he doesn't have anything personal to draw from, right?
1: Right, interesting.
0: This environment, which actually is trauma unto itself, to get him to have the place to tap into. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, on the flip side of all this, because it's just a fine line, it can be so incredibly powerful and healing. I used to teach um, junior high improv you know, and high school kids, and I taught at the theater center, little ones all the way from three-year-olds all the way and directed. And, and when you put those kids in improv, oh my gosh, they flourish at that age because they're, they're, they're desiring communication and they want to express their feelings and, and then they come out of it, you know, feeling better about themselves. So there is, there is that. Absolutely. When
0: I was uh, teaching uh, middle school and high school, I recognized really early on, all they're all not going to become actors. They're all not going to become best fans, They're not going to go off and major in college, but this is an opportunity to explore different things, whether it be raising their awareness about, you know, social consciousness or, you know, the way that 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 age-old question, does art reflect life or does life reflect art, right? I mean, when you brought up Brecht, right? The, some of these playwrights, before television, before social media, used theater as a means of taking a political position or a position that said, hey, we need to bring attention to these social issues. And so in school, I think it was an opportunity to do a couple of those things, right, is to, allow somebody to step outside of themselves and explore themselves, but to think about the world around them a little bit differently too, Mm -hmm. and the power in that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What did you find uh, besides improvisation was always kind of a a healthy exploration for these kids?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you know, It's interesting letting them have their own process of development. So what I was taught from Paul Baker was that we draw on um, a communication process of understanding line, shape, color, texture, sound, silence. And so what really I I enjoyed was transferring that to a child of any age and exploring at their own age development, what that meant. And there was exercises that we would do to help them. Like we would, there was a nature object exercise, and this is in Paul Baker's book and it worked great for kids where they study a nature object. They carry it around with them for days. They draw the line of it. They walk the line of it and out of it. And this is uh, they can create they would create their own plays and their own, their own scenes uh, and own plays, and then working together. Um, I think it's the collaborative piece of theater that is so healing for yeah. a teenager, uh, yeah. for adults too. Because I mean, it's a community, and it only works if everybody you know is right there, committed, and it teaches them so many skill sets of life. I think yeah. uh, having that background everyone could use it you know
0: I know I know right yeah it's really interesting to um think about you know arts are always the first to have funding slashed yes and but the school overall in order for the business of school to work it has to follow more of a left brain model and right brain dominant kids are Uh, either figuring out how to uh, creatively play the game of the left brain model, or they just don't feel connected and they don't feel like uh, they have a place for themselves. And you start to look at all the different places that theater can fill in that gap for those kids, right? If they're not feeling a sense of community, within the, the business of the school if they don't feel they're thriving. And, and, and to create a place, you know, when, when I got to that big university, but it was that small little theater department. Yeah. And we became a family unlike any family that, and even in COVID, uh, some of those people I went to school with, we hadn't been in touch in 30 years, like, hey, let's do it. Let's do a reading on Zoom. Just in the height of the, the shutdown, we wanted a sense of family that we couldn't just uh, replicate artificially. We knew there was that connection, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, and I still think about um, that community in some of those schools and, and what it meant for those kids to really to really have that creative process mm-hmm. and how important that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um what it was it doc the your work with Dr. Baker that was the appeal to Booker T. Like we think about Booker T Washington as this Arts Magnet school, but what you're
1: talking about is so cool. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that Dr. Baker started Arts Magnet. It was his vision, his idea, and he brought in his integration of abilities class to that and the clusters eventually separated. So the dance department, although they all work together and it's a fabulous school and it's doing wonderful Mm -hmm. work. But in the very, very beginning, and he just brought a few of us over to teach in the very beginning. I didn't stay too long. I I did substitute there for many, many years, and then Mm -hmm. several of my friends taught there for many years. Uh, but what he did was brought in that, those exercises mm-hmm. in that structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they may still have a class called Creative Processor Integration Abilities. <gasps> and I took it on, a, another teacher and I took it to KD Studios. Mm-hmm. And they still, I think, teach a gem, germ of this. And this is an acting studio in Dallas. and And so- Did I answer your question? Yeah, so are they
0: looking at, is the primary, I'm just curious, is the primary goal of that class and the integration is just to allow artists to um, think more outside the lines and that much more nonlinear to the creative process, or is this to help them be uh, better people
1: that they bring to the creative process, if that it, makes sense. It's both a little bit, and quite honestly, they're a little young to do it. You talk about Baz Luhrmann and this actor, and he didn't have it. You yeah. really, I, I mean, the older you are, the more powerful that nature object ex- exercise really is. Sure, but I think back to your 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 point. It, it's it's mostly to. Bring them to the understanding of their own creative process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how then they can move it into the dance cluster, the mm-hmm. you know, the fine uh, the design group, the pl- if you're writing a play, if you're you know the actor, if you're designing the lights, and this it's a it's a kind of a communication where everyone's on the same page. So if the director is meeting with all of those people, the actor and the you know, the light designer, the the costumer, and all that, they're going to be talking about the play using these this communication. What is the line of this play? What is the texture of this play? What where's our where are common rhythms? And so then everybody goes off and does their work and comes back together, and there's a little bit of a cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the individual creative process exercise, it is really about. Just getting in touch with themselves. And it's yeah. uh, very yeah. personal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How cool. I think that we don't even really, right, as an audience, we come to something and we go, oh, that cast has great chemistry, right? Like as if it's something that just is pixie dust that magically, and probably in some directors' process, it is. Mm-hmm. I think that the, success hinges on the casting director to put that chemistry together but what what i'm hearing is there could be a process where you even develop that chemistry because everybody's moving with the same rhythm and the same sense of all these other intangibles that make up that
1: collective Well, and what Paul Becker told us, taught us too, is that everyone is an artist and that everyone uses these, these different things, you know, these different elements of form in everything that we do, no matter what it is. And it's a life process. So my husband, that's, I met my husband at the Dallas Theater Center and he was only there one year, but he was there long enough to get this understanding. And Mm -hmm. he later went on to build homes, build and design sustainable green homes Because I think he was, he came out of that with the belief, I can do this. I mean, pre-med, pre-law, didn't have, had a degree in English and Mm -hmm. and he went and built homes and now he, he's a premier green builder and the, and he did it because he believed that process that we just put things together in a new way and my thesis was really about that it's like what is creativity well it's just putting things together in a new way and what paul baker told us is, is a, a a communication um vocabulary so to speak mm-hmm. so when alan's building a house is he using line rhythm, just, mm-hmm. you know all the tech all that yeah yeah
0: yeah the yeah. Same thing. yeah wow so cool yeah i uh When my firstborn was getting ready for college and I was reading a lot about, you know, the whole entrance process and all of that, but I came across this little paragraph in this book that said, one of the most undervalued but best use degrees is a degree in theater.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. And
0: the reason is, is they, he pretty much said, teaches community, there's a heavy work ethic, right? The show must go on. Yeah. There is uh, thinking outside the box. There is public speaking, right? There is these things that we don't think about because I mean, what per- I mean, I, the percentage is so low, right? Of people that get degrees and actually make a living. Right. And I, I, I remember being one of few employed right out of college but it was still a starving artist's salary. And I went into the directing and management side to pay my bills. And, you know, I look at some of my colleagues at the things they've had to sacrifice to stay in theater.
1: Yes, real
0: sacrifices. But, you know, I look at some of my friends in theater as some of the most non-judgmental, tolerating, hardworking, understanding of what community is. And I think we don't even understand the depth of that.
1: Right, right, right. What the
0: arts can do for that, right? Mm -hmm,
1: mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What uh, I I just, you know, your husband taking that one year and building it into another business is what got me thinking about, you know, what theater does for people, Mm -hmm. what experience does. Um, what do you find that he brings into his business? Not not just the confidence to do that, right? Like, is there, do you see with all your, let me rephrase the question, with all your expertise in this integration of abilities, what do you see in his business and even maybe in the way, I don't know, that you parent or
1: Mm -hmm. that you- well, it's interesting, I think that, um he, he he bottom line just had the there was a lot of figuring things out that that mm-hmm. was kind of taught. you know what I mean that mm-hmm. and that that's that's you just figure it out. You have the ability to figure it out. <laughs> he 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 had that, I will say naturally before he came from Detroit. And he grew up around love of cars and this whole, just this design of that industry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but to do it on his own, you know, to have that hood spa. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think he just took what he, what he kind of already knew. And then just this real strong belief that he could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's kind of simplistic, but no, it, it is too. Right. I mean, uh, and the this- resources, not to interrupt you, but Go ahead. so you're, it's also about resources. Yeah. So you learn to, you know, you're always resourceful in the creative process of thinking out of the box mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. is going to work and then you apply it some yeah. and fail and apply yeah. again and fail, and apply yeah. again, and fail, and eventually mm-hmm. kind of find find your, your way in it.
0: Oh, yeah. I think creative thinking, I mean, they talk about what's missing in business, right? The more heavily education focuses on uh, tech and it is that creativity is really missing and that thinking out of the box and, you know, these work environments that are moving into and fostering real creativity. Um, It's just so important. And I mean, those of us that have been in the arts can see the importance of it. Um, But I think those that aren't, you know, can often just think, oh, that's just playing games, um, when there's so much more complexity going on, right, even just that idea of working within trauma, um, you know, for ourselves. And that's why role playing is, you know, a part of A lot of therapies, you know, counselors use role-playing for kids because it's less confrontational for them to expose themselves, right? Mm -hmm. It can be something used in PTSD scenarios where that role-playing can make that victim feel really empowered um, by creating a different personal narrative around the trauma.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So um, yeah, can you speak to, to any of that role playing as we, we start to talk about you know how we can think about this in terms of health and wellness?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, for me again, that journey of theater was so important because it allowed me to express some childhood trauma that I didn't know that I didn't know. I had actually no memory of, of it. Mm-hmm. And it gave me, and I think that's why I wrote my thesis. I mean, go back to that question. I really was in the beginning of working out why, what is going on, you know, inside mm-hmm. of me. And so I think theater was a very healthy, led me very healthily in a way mm-hmm. to a point where um, I had expressed a lot of feelings and a lot of roles pretty successfully. It's what made me a good actor. is I would draw on this. I didn't know where it was coming from, (laughs) Uh, you know, and then there came a point where I was, I think it prepared me for when then I left theater and I got into a therapeutic setting. Mm -hmm. I it was just a an, an easier transition than maybe some people make. And I believe I didn't get into drugs and alcohol. I mm-hmm. didn't, there was no other addictions. <laughs> this was my addiction. And I think I'm just grateful to it because a lot of people who are struggling with some childhood trauma um, and haven't, you, you know, haven't gotten a therapy or don't even know why they're acting out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Often don't you know, go to some more negative things and the, and I was addicted to the theater. I mean, I performed pretty much from the time I was 15, 16 years old till I was, till my daughter was born, but then my health crashed. That's another topic down the road, but Mm -hmm. then I was able to kind of pick myself up and go, okay, what's going on here? I had to have to make some changes. And then I was in a whole new trajectory and journey of my life, Mm -hmm. utilizing all that had come before. But, um. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: think one of the things that I learned in my journey is that sometimes we can be walking through something thinking that we're working through it. Yeah. Right. And so like theater is a really interesting way of thinking that well i'm tapping into this stuff or i'm right but the safety of the role the safety of i'm not really myself up here exposing myself in a raw uh, manner where i could be rejected in fact it's set up to be the exact opposite i expose myself emotionally and i get applause yeah and right. there is
1: a, there is a little bit of downside. Very
0: addictive. Very addictive.
1: Yeah. And very addictive. And what happens is then you don't go and do the real work. You don't mm-hmm. know what your real story is. Yeah. And you and part of my thesis was about painters, who because I studied all artists, the creative the neurotic distortion of the creative process of all artists and painters in history that get stuck, and they paint the Ooh. same thing over and over and over because they're not going through it and working out to the other side.
0: Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um yeah, did you uh do anything with Picasso
1: or Van Gogh? You know, there were, I, I mean, it's I have to go back. It's been so long. I think it yes. was more general um you know, I there there were some I can't. Yeah, explain. yeah, yeah. I, the, first I, the first thing that
0: that I thought of, you know, I mean, Picasso is, is known as one of the ultimate narcissists. Yes. He really started painting and getting stuck in the distorted, one-dimensional visual expression of the female. Yeah. Right. In the and it was really the place he was stuck in the way that he was treating treating women or Van Gogh looking for that answer, that spiritual quest that was
1: on. That is when I, so I use the drama of the gifted child, which was one of my resources, which is written uh, originally about one of the first German writers who wrote about child abuse and the impact Mm. on someone's life. And, and now here we are, you know, really embracing all of this in this time, right? It's very common knowledge. Everyone's talking about it in 19, um, you know, 80, 80, early eighties, I was kind of on the cutting edge of this a lot. It was not like, why why is she talking about childhood abuse? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, but I, and I was talking about it, but I hadn't even tapped into my own story. Mm-hmm. It was ironic that I was writing this thesis, trying to find my own story and hadn't, didn't even tap into it pretty much until my acting career was not over, but yeah, making that. Yeah. Trend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a family member that went into, um, theater and then film and television. And we always joke that people leave acting once they have figured out how to get real help. Uh.
1: <laughs>
0: that's the joke that's between us <laughs> that is
1: interesting wow
0: yeah yeah because there's just so much there right I mean right. It, you know for me coming from a family of origin where um I and I've heard I've heard this too where children of super critical environments right where you don't get that freedom of expression can wind up in the arts Right. So for me, uh, a lot of it, I mean, there were so many things, but coming from an abusive home and where uh, my compliancy and I was valued by controlling parents and, and, and the layers of abuse that came at that to the imagination, right? The land of imagination is the ultimate safe space for a child that is in an abusive home and with abusive parents and the craving for unconditional love and the idea that you're gonna get up on the stage and that recognition and that applause is gonna fill that hole. And I mean, it just, it it doesn't, it doesn't, right? It's addictive, it's seductive, but if, if it did fill the hole, you wouldn't see Actors struggling with drug and alcohol, and like really going into these dark places where the general public often doesn't even understand. Like, right? You have all the money and fame. Why would you? You know, why would you put all away? Right?
1: Yeah. But the quest to fill the hole, right? Many of them do go into a huge healing experience. I mean, the ones that I follow. Sometimes you just see, oh, they're really they they. Master yeah. it and go through it, and that you know to your whole podcast, that's the healing art of it. Yes, that it's a healing art. Yeah, yeah, a healing process. I guess you could say. I I
0: think what yeah for me it was really important to not say to myself right that I had this career in the arts and then I had this career in education and now I have this career in alternative healthcare. For me. I'm still, I'm in the healing arts and I teach people how to take charge of their health.
1: That's exactly. Yeah. I I resemble that. Yes.
0: Yeah. It just was really important to bring it all together. And, and I think that, uh, the need to unpack, right. The whole purpose of the podcast and interviewing really unique people like yourself and and then, you know, how I have created an identity in my practice, it's so important to unpack things in a way that we would never think about unpacking it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we would never think about um, the good and the bad of role playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Drama therapy is a real thing, right? Role playing is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with, um, I think it's Vander Kolk. I bring up his book. Yes. Oh. I- keeps
1: the score, right? Oh my gosh. That book. Oh yes. Isn't that amazing? He is. He is an amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so the healing journey that I took was I was by the time I had performed nonstop, you know, for 25 years or however, long from the time I was 15, maybe not that long, but my adrenals were shot and Mm -hmm. my health crashed. And that's when I went on the journey of better changing my health and discovering yeah. that was going to change that. So again, it's that, it's just this unfolding, I think mm-hmm. of it in one thing into the next, into the next. And yeah. Um,
0: yeah. The body keeps the score. I mean, he talks about at some point uh, the paths to healing, right? It's not just if a person needs Medications, or you know, you and I prescribe to uh, supplements, but the yoga part of it and the role playing drama therapy part of it, the importance of being in a safe space and tapping into things and r- changing that personal narrative where a person feels less of being on the receiving end, right? right. Being victim being abused right um and and how important that is and yeah similarly i think i had this wake up call um just i mean 18 to i don't know when in my 29 30 back to back shows uh you know in rehearsal for one performing another at, at, mm-hmm. at night at like just in degree after degree and then suddenly you know
1: you're like whoa i'm going <laughs> to <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> well, the, then, for me, I had a child, you know, yeah. and, and I learned. Oh my gosh, the nutrition and depletion of your body after you have a child, you know. And I, it, it, totally. Yeah. yeah so totally. It's, for women, kind of interesting.
0: It is. It is. I mean, I definitely when I had my first, my second, probably because my first, I just strapped her to my back or passed her around to other cast members right like she was a a, a backstage baby yeah uh, many uh, you know can relate but I think it was with my second one I was like I just can't you know I bring two kids to rehearsal you know uh, <laughs> you, you know you can't be a good mom and be nursing and have night work and theater mostly is just you know a night job and but it was when I went back to school and I was a single mom and I had two two toddlers And I was in the master's program and I was teaching and I was teaching in the theater department and I was doing rehearsal and I was doing a show, you know, and I was like, just all of a sudden was on stage and thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. And it was like, you know, and then, you know, you go down this path and you're like, ah, this isn't really a, this is not sustainable. Right. I talk about that in my practice a lot. Is this sustainable? Sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or how do we identify with the things that are not sustainable but we can't let go of?
1: Right. Because we
0: identify with them, right? The addiction to, I mean, I tell my kids because there's addiction in their side of the family, and uh, you can be addicted to anything. Mm -hmm. The human brain is predisposed to addiction. You know, it's, it's, are you developing good coping mechanisms and good strategies to take care of yourself so that anything you're vulnerable doesn't become an addiction? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is so cool. What was your favorite part about teaching? Um, I was always a natural teacher. My dad, uh, modeled, he was a high school football coach. So, mm-hmm. my background was I went from small town, you know, Saturday night lights that are Friday night lights. Friday night was. lights, yeah. <laughs> kind of my, my life. And he was an amazing, amazing teacher. Wow. And coach. And I watched him. Now, I was a girl, so I didn't get a lot of that. It was all, yeah. you know, so it was that. But I always, I always had just this love of it understanding how to do it taught in college you know majored in education thought I would just be a teacher Mm -hmm. Um, and then with theater oh my gosh it's just fun yeah it's it's just fun (laughs) it's fun to watch them come alive and have all these experiences and have it you know and and it's fun to watch a show come together talk about the process and to watch kids put on a show yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you are just so precious. And yeah. whatever age I was teaching them, it was always really a lot of fun.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. What is your? Is there a a takeaway to your thesis that you find? I'm sure the overall uh, message integrates into you know who you are as a person and what you bring to your different phases of life and but like is there just a little thing
1: about your thesis that you're like that has stayed with me it's really self-awareness it's finding mm. the story what is the truth and and it's connecting um I th- and back to to his book the body keeps the score that is never whatever those experiences traumatic experience happen are always with us Yeah, how we we shape them. It's Mm -hmm. how we use them. The more we can understand it and have compassion for it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, my thesis was just that beginning kernel of understanding it and having some compassion for it. Because the journey has taken me, I mean, I'm still in that journey. Yeah, yeah. We all are. Yeah. till our death, whatever, integrating the past, finding out what the triggers are, you know, and then creatively getting to health. It, it's for me, it's always about what it's kind of this drawn to the healthiest mental self, the healthiest emotional self, the mm-hmm. physical self. It, it is the journey. And it started yeah. in that thesis. Oh, that is amazing. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: Amazing. It is. It is the Body does keep the score. And I, I think that we have these themes in our life that gravitate us towards uh, you know, one or multiple areas that float to the top, whether it's pursuing, you know, the, the top of that triangle is the mental health, or the top of that triangle is the physical, right? But the things that the mind, body, spirit all integrate together to be total health and wellness. Yes. And, and how important that is in the quest for total health and wellness Um, in, in diagnostic medicine, it's so narrowly focused on this problem gets this label, gets this medicine. Right. 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 Then the uh, I call it a mapping. It's one of the things that I do with people is really looking at the whole body right? Like how is this illness, not just physical, what are the mental implications of it? How is it affecting your psyche, right? Like if there is uh, OCD, for example, right, Mm -hmm. like there's going to be, I'm looking at, I'm working with somebody right now, there's a dietary piece to it that is affecting their mental health. Then there are chemical imbalance related to nutritional deficiencies. But then there is the identification of that person with that diagnosis. This is who wow. I am first. Well, as long as we identify with something in particular to the good or the bad, we're not whole, right? Mm-hmm. That leads the, the invisible conversation of, you know, working with with. With anyone, right? Like eventually all those things bubble up and we'll either face them or not face them, right? We're all on this journey, as you said. Yeah. 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 But uh yeah, I I I think it was so interesting. I mean, we're came together through Great Girls Network. Yes, yes. We're part of a women's group and um I came in with a bunch of other holistic practitioners, but the group was, uh, has some business women in there and all kinds of things. And it was just kind of, that's how we met.
1: Yes. Yeah. But little did we know the synergistic piece that we would have.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. Like, I don't think I've ever met another human being who's, three careers are like what my three careers like never ever (laughs) and with such a you know big understanding of how those all integrate together in a way you know
1: Mm -hmm.
0: landing in that that total health and wellness piece yeah yeah so cool well i know we're gonna do another we have to we have to do another episode on health for sure right and dive into some of the things that you and I both specialize in. But um, I'd love for our listeners to get a little bit of a of a just a if there's anything you want to share, that's just a little tease, or you know, a, a commercial for our next episode of just yeah. how this is. You know, I know your personal health journey led you to this place. Mine yeah. too. It, it's
1: really a very simple story. I was always interested in nutrition, even throughout all this. Mm-hmm. And, and but I was like a sugar holic. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I mean, sugar was an addiction, certainly. And then the stress response, and then just not being able to get up in the morning, being exhausted all the time, going to the doctors, no, nobody's having any solution back in 1994. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so i discovered a company that produced really high quality superior nutritional products to supplement mm-hmm. and then it took me on the journey of changing diet and everything but i started with that that mm-hmm. and within yeah. a month i felt better at 40 than i had in my 20s and i was just often running kind of following their lead and then eventually yeah. became advocate of of um you know, mm-hmm. healthy lifestyle wellness on a lot of levels, which you and I can talk about another Yeah, time. yeah.
0: We'll, so we'll, it's such we'll, like a big,
1: yeah. I know it's a
0: huge subject. It will give a to... huge subject. Yeah. But I love that our listeners get to hear this perspective on your journey, my journey, and just this new, you know, connection that uh, this new relationship that I hope we continue to have because this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but also to just really get people thinking about that total health and wellness so completely differently in a way they might have never thought about it before.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so cool. Well, that was a great time talking with Pam. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. It was kind of new and different uh, for me and I hope for our listeners too. Uh, I hope you join us again for another episode of Health Matters with Laura Kopeck. Thank you and have a great new year.